Aloha and welcome to Connection to the Cosmos with your host, me, Dr. Lisa Thompson, where I have out of this world conversations with extraordinary people. Today, I am so excited to have my friend and mentor, Sunny Don Johnston on, and we'll bring her on in just a moment. First, just a couple of announcements. If you have not claimed my free 20-minute meditative journey to meet your galactic family and guides, make sure you go to mysticmanta.com and grab that meditation. And I would love to hear your feedback on uh, who you meet during the meditation. Also, my galactic retreat experience is coming up September 14th to the 17th here on the Big Island. I have different options, so come and check that out. And then if you are visiting the Big Island any other time, come on one of my Big Island UFO tours and see the night sky in a whole new way. There's so much activity out there. So without further ado, I'm going to bring on Sunny. Hello, Sunny. Hello. So there are probably people that are going to be watching or listening to this that don't know who you are, which, you know, everyone needs to know who you are. So let me, let me share a little bit about you. Okay, let's hear it. Okay, so Sunny Don Johnston is an acclaimed psychic medium, transformational thought leader, and spiritual biz mentor. She's the author of 21 books, including bestsellers, Invoking the Archangels and The Love Never Ends, which have become the cornerstones for her keynote topics, such as intuition, mediumship, and the angelic realm. Sunny is also the creator of the Elevate Your Life membership site, a virtual community focused on designing a high vibrational life, bursting with abundance, self-love, and joy. Leading the Elevate Your Life community, Sunny focuses on accountability, support, and guidance as the solid foundation of intentional and lasting transformation. And then she also has My Spiritual Biz Membership, which is a community for heart-based entrepreneurs. Sunny's 30 years of business experience and her multi-million dollar generating team guide and mentor members who are starting, building, or growing a spirit-based business. And then SDJ Productions has expanded Sunny's work beyond writing and speaking engagements and into publishing books, CDs, and Oracle card decks. Her latest project is the Multidimensional Oracle Card Deck, which is fantastic. And then in her spare time, because if she's not you know, busy enough, Sunny's involved as a psychic investigator for the international organization Find Me. This is a nonprofit organization of psychic, investigative, and canine search and rescue volunteers collaborating to support law enforcement and families of missing persons and homicide victims. Through her work, Sunny has cultivated a diverse global community. Whether in person or online, her mentorship encourages students to connect with their heart and guides them to experience life in a higher vibrational, multi-dimensional way. And Sunny, what I can tell you is that like being part of your world has really changed my life. Oh. So I just want to thank you <laughs> for all of the love, support, mentorship that you have given me over, I think it's been like four or five years that we've been working together now. And thank you for writing the forward to my book, Connection you're to welcome. the Hey, I'm super proud of you. I'm excited for everything you're creating and what you're doing and stepping out in the way that you are. And I love seeing us, you know, come from our hearts and just do the work we're meant to do in this world. Yeah, absolutely. And that is one of the things that of all of the coaches and mentors, like you really walk your talk mm -hmm. of coming from your heart, of 
sharing, you know, you, you're not about like, you need to be so exclusive. You want the world Mm -hmm. to know this stuff, right? And so you keep it very accessible. And so like, that's, I just, I love you and I love your work <laughs> and I love you too, girl. And I'm super proud of you. I'm excited for everything you're, you're doing and creating. And I'm happy to be here with all you and your friends. And yes. well, so the first thing, again, for some people who may not know your background, um, what I'd love for you to share first, just kind of how you grew up, like, were you in a religious or spiritual household? How did you get into working with angels and being a psychic medium? Well, I got into it um, kicking and screaming. (laughs) Uh, So I was raised in Salt Lake City, Utah, and uh, my family was um, all religious, except for my parents who were raised in religion, in the Mormon religion, but but kind of walked away at about 16, 17, didn't feel right to them. And so when I came around, they really kind of wanted to give me just an opportunity to see what felt true for me, but that's hard to do in Salt Lake City, Utah, because there were no other options, you know, <laughs> it's kind of like, well, it's this or nothing. And so, um, and that, that belief system wasn't for me. And so I actually, the way the angels came to my life was I, I just woke up in the middle of the night one night and rolled over and saw my guardian angel above my bed. And I didn't know it was an angel. I didn't actually know what to call her. Um, but she felt familiar and, um, she felt safe Mm -hmm. and most importantly, um, she felt like unconditional love. That was, that's what the experience was. I just, I just felt this sense of like, and, and so I was so calm and so relaxed that I literally just rolled over and went back to sleep. And then the next morning, my head kicked in. The ego said, oh, my God, what was that? And that's when I started thinking, okay, wait, what, what just happened? And, you know, what I realized, Lisa, is that uh, we all have different ways that we get um, that we get invited into remembrance of mm-hmm. who we are, right, how we're connected. And, and for me, I think the reason it happened that way was it caught me off guard because it was the middle of the night. Um, so I couldn't use my head to kind of, you know, talk myself out of it. Um, and I also think that, you know, because I wasn't raised with a lot of religious background, although it was surrounded me, angels weren't a big deal in the Mormon church. They didn't talk a lot about angels. And so I didn't really have any frame of reference. I didn't have any concepts to say, well, this is this or this isn't this. And that allowed me to really have a pure experience in the moment. And then that got my curiosity going, which curiosity is what's driven my entire life. Yes. I was curious. I love it. Well, and so when, when you woke up in the middle of the night, like, did, I know you felt her. So did you see her? What did I she did. look like? What she I did, like? you know, I, I saw, so it's interesting because the, it was a disembodied kind of um, colorful though, color that I can't explain um, that there's no words really for. Um, and then she had kind of a sense of a body, but kind of not. Like everything is kind of this, kind of that, because it wasn't, it's not of the world. So it's hard, you know, this, it's hard to give words to things that aren't human, right? Um, But she did have uh, facial features, but I couldn't say there's eyes and ears and nose and all those, but it felt like my mom, but I knew it wasn't my mom because my mom doesn't float. Um, 
but it so it was all these pieces that were like it's kind of like dreams you know when we have a dream and you're like well i was in my house but it wasn't really my house and it was on the river but it was sitting in the ocean like that's how it was but i had the essence of a feminine nurturing energy with all this amazing colorful light with this really soft gentle um um visual experience as well as the emotional so i think that with those things i it felt safe to me and i felt it and she felt familiar and she for sure felt feminine there was a feminine energy um but as far as if i could describe like colors of eyes i, I can't even tell you that there were eyes okay i okay. know it's complicated that's confusing but that was how it was well so okay and then so from that point then were you always then connected with the angels because i know you do a lot of work with the archangels mm -hmm. and so how did that come about well it's interesting because that so so what i learned as i got curious was this was my guardian angel who came to visit me that that day and uh, and i was in denial that i even had angels because i thought if you had angels or guardian angels and that would mean that nothing bad would happen in your life because you know i'm 13 so i'm thinking well aren't angels supposed to save you from everything and apparently that was not the truth that's not the case um and i i think that then what happened is i i started asking because i didn't know i didn't know what caused that like okay i've been here and i've been alive in this body for 13 years and why did i have this today at this time in this way and so i just started asking hey um if you're there, could you come back? And I would experience her presence. And then I would experience different beings presence. I would experience like Michael was the first one that I experienced Archangel Michael. And I didn't know who he was. I didn't know that he was even like a thing. I, I had no idea. And, and then I, um, and then Gabriel came to me and then Raphael came to me and then I started seeing deceased energies around people. And so it's almost like it just started to unwind at that point and the way that i discovered that it was archangels is that they came to me and they told me their names okay. and i didn't even know that they're that like i said I, like we had angel moroni in the mormon church like that that was the angel that you knew of so i'm like well this isn't an angel name well it actually is um so so i really kind of just learned from what they shared or showed or what I experienced the way I interpreted it even because it was my own interpretation, of course. Right. Um, and then that expanded into more curiosity when the deceased energy started coming around and I got more curious. And then here was the interesting piece. Then I got, um, I, I wouldn't say afraid, not of them, but I got afraid in the sense of, Oh wait, Sunny, you just want to be normal. For remember, you want you want to be a normal person. And so if you're gonna be a normal person, you don't want to do this. And so then I got into this push and pull kind of experience. Like, okay, it's really cool. Yeah, I don't want to do this at all now. And I, yeah. I did that for actually a long, a lot longer than I would like to admit. Okay. Well, and I resonate with that for sure. <laughs> that push I, and pull, yes. Yes. Because yeah, you don't so you don't you 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 like okay. Especially for you, you you are more of a reason to have that than I was because I was just a kid trying to figure things out. You had all of your background and all your scientific background, and then all of a sudden, okay, well, let's just go off the rails. Is the way you think people are going to see it, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, so then, when did you acknowledge and embrace being a psychic medium? Well, acknowledge twenty eight embrace mm, 
probably in the early, my early thirties. Um, I, I recognized it. I knew it. And I said, all right, I know I meant to do this work. All right. I, I can try to get to that place, but um, acknowledging it and embracing completely different things for me because I could recognize it and I could know that there was purpose in it. There would be value in it. And that it, and I kept being guided, like it was not going away. Right. I kept being guided to it, but to actually embrace it, to surrender, to surrender into it um, was really difficult for me for a lot of reasons. One was I always had that in the background. Oh my gosh, you're so, just so not normal. And I always wanted to be normal. So that will always sat there. But the other one was, you know, I had little kids and I didn't want my kids to be treated the way I was treated, not being like everybody else. And so I was uber protective of them. And so I didn't want anybody ever to know that their mom was like this weirdo. I didn't want them to have to pay for what I experienced when I was young. And that was for sure a projection. Yeah. Um, but it was my own wound, right? Yeah. And so it took me a few years to wrap my head around how um, how to walk through that in a, in a, in a graceful way. And it wasn't so graceful. I'm not right. very graceful though. <laughs> well, so too. your kids though, did they, what did they think when you started doing the work that you do? Like, did they care? Did they want to be normal? Were they embarrassed or you were know, they like, they were boys and weren't even paying attention. They didn't even notice it all. Now they had some experiences in, in, in their own experiences of seeing the spirits and things. Cause you know, when you have activity, you have activity, but, um, so they had some experiences, but it really never affected them. And, and I think that part of that was because number one, I, um, I didn't project the way I believed onto them. I just said, this is my experience. This is what I'm doing. I never tried to get them to be the way I am. And yeah. still to this day, I don't. Yeah. Um, but I think the other thing, I had a real great awakening um, that really kind of opened my eyes. And it was a couple of years after I'd started this, my youngest son was in Montessori school. And um, so I would save all the papers, you know, because they want to make crafts and all kinds of things. So I'd save all kinds of papers and scrap paper and whatever. And then I'd take it every three or four months. And I had a pile of like my flyers that had all of my information about everything that I was doing and the backs were blank and they, the, the classes had expired. And so I had a pile. I wasn't taking them to the school. That was just a pile that I needed to recycle before we had recycle. Well, my husband, the one time he decides to help me out, he decides to help me out and he sees the pile of papers. And so he takes all of the papers and he takes them to school. And I lost my mind. I, I, the school's right around the corner. I ran over to the school and I'm like, oh my gosh, my husband brought some papers and they're not papers for you guys to have. Like I need to, I need to get those papers back. And, and this was the day before that he'd done it. And when I got there, one of the kids had one of the papers, was drawing on one of the papers right in front of me. And I was like, Ugh. and my heart, like I thought it never, it never occurred to me that people might have interest. It only occurred to me that this was going to be bad. People were going to judge my son. He wasn't going to fit in all the things. And so I gathered as many of the papers as I had, but realized some of them were already gone. And maybe three days later, one of the women called me 
and one of the moms called and said, um, my son brought home one of your papers and he had a drawing of a sunflower or whatever on the one side. But I saw that you teach these classes. I'd really like to learn about intuition because my mother passed away two years ago and I've been waiting to find something. I'm like, oh my God. And I, and I really, it was an aha, like it never even crossed my mind that somebody might be accepting of it. That tells you how wounded it was, right? Yeah, wow. Well, and now look at you. I mean, <laughs> and now, yeah, now you can't shut me up and I'm everywhere. But I, and I wanted to share that, Lisa, because I think that when you are on kind of the fringe of things, it feels scary. And, and for people to look at where I am today and have done all the things that I've done and I'm, you know, out there and, 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 and have a, I'm pretty vocal and all those things, it seems like that could never have possibly been my life. But the reality of it was that was um, deep deep wound that was so afraid for my kids. And then after that experience, I realized, Sunny, you're looking from the wrong direction, right? You, you need to look at the possibilities and maybe spirits putting people in your, put, putting you in their path to help support them and vice versa, right? Yeah. And so from there, I grew up a little bit and I embraced a little more after that. Yeah. Well, what would, what would be your advice to people who are having their own kind of awakening or they've been hiding themselves from the world? Yeah. Like, yeah. What would your advice to them be? Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't do that. Right. Uh, you know, I would say that if I really believe if you're having an experience um, consistently, if you have it one time, that might just be a, a, a synchronistic experience for you. But if you're having it over and over again and it's creating a lot of value for you and and it's helping you to grow and expand and to heal, then it's going to be of benefit to others, too. And to keep it a secret um, um, puts it in the frequency of shame, right, yeah. of hiding it. And and then it can't it can't it can't do the wonders that it's meant to do, the miracles and the magic can't come from that place because nobody can see it. And actually what I got, where I got to a, a place within myself, well, actually my spirit said this to me really loud and clear was, um, it's really selfish of you to be that way. Mm. I'm like, oh, well, thanks. Because <laughs> I, I don't know about you, but my guides are pretty strong. If I'm not listening, they're like, listen. Okay. And, and that was how they said it. Like, you're keeping this. You, you have an ability to be able to help people and support people. Um, it, when I was, you know, pushing against a mediumship, um, and, and this was the way they said this to me, was what right do you have to hold other people back from an experience that you could bring value and healing to them in, in, a, in, in a minutes? And that always stuck with me. And that's the way, and that's not, I don't think, how most people's guides and angels talk to them. But for me, I have to sometimes hear things really really true and strong. And that, that did it. Yeah. I love it. Well, and I mean, for me, you know, it wasn't until a couple of years ago, I didn't think anyone would care or want to know about my ET experiences and yeah. any of that. When yeah. I was trying to be normal, right. Or normal enough. Right. <laughs> I fit into the edge of yes. Yes. And, but then when I was writing about it and sharing, people felt validated in their own experiences. And so and it was confirmation, like you're saying. It was just like, okay, I guess I, I can 
be brave and right. Well, and it and it does take it. It takes a lot of courage. You know, it's not that when, when we do these things. When you stepped into this, and I remember when you were going through through this, and and you know, we put a little toe in, and we're like, okay, no, that's too much, right? And 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 I and I remember when I was going through it. Um, it takes a lot of courage, and and I think that a lot of people think that courage is just you know, kind of, you know, getting the strength and just pushing through. It doesn't mean you're not afraid. It means you do it and you're afraid. You know, you're afraid of the outcome. You're afraid of the, of the, the kickback. You're afraid of the, the, the reactions. You're afraid of what you're going to lose really. And in that, I think what we do is we forget what we're going to gain. Right. And that is freedom. Freedom. That is so much it's oh freedom. God. Like, like, oh, okay. I don't have to wear this big old weight any longer. Yeah. That's exactly how I have been feeling mm-hmm. since I started sharing and well, and okay. So we're going to, so we're going to just switch a little bit and I haven't heard any of your stories about your galactic experiences. And I know you've got one or two at least. One or two. And I so, got one or two. Um, you know, it's interesting because I think because I deal so much with the the spirit realm in general that this is something that um, I have. I, it's not that I don't talk about it. If people ask me, I talk about it openly. But I think I've got my hands so full with the things I'm doing. I'm like, okay, so we cannot add another another thing. So it's not something I really have ever put a lot of attention on. Although I've never, ever in my life not believed that there had to be um, experiences outside of this human, realm. like it just didn't even like, I'm like, well, are people dumb? Like I just, <laughs> that's how I thought since I was a kid, I would look up at the stars and I would think, well, of course there's other be of course, like, why would there not be? Right. Yeah. Um, and so, so my experience is interesting. Um, we don't have conscious memory of, um, of it, but I can tell you what happened. Okay. okay. So, um, my team and I were driving to um, Laughlin, Nevada from Phoenix. Uh, we were heading there to do um, some events. And uh, I was actually speaking at, um, or I was I was on a television show in Las Vegas. Uh, then I was going to Laughlin and I was a keynote at that event. And then we had a booth. And so we had a lot of things going on. So we left like on a Thursday. And so we're heading there. And for those of you that don't live in Phoenix, Phoenix is about five hours from Las Vegas, which is where we were going first. And in order to get to um, Las Vegas, uh, there's one way to go straight to Vegas. And that was through the Hoover Dam. So you go literally the dam. This wasn't now where the bridge was all there. It was the the bridge had just been built. And so you had to go winding through the Hoover Dam. That's the only way to get to Vegas unless you go the long way around and go through Laughlin. So we're driving and um, one of my team members um, is very scared of heights. And this bri- this new bridge, it was a huge bridge and it was brand new. Like it literally, they had opened it maybe two months earlier. And so she was anxious. She was like, oh my God, that bridge is coming up and I hate bridges and I don't know, are we gonna be able to see it? Is it gonna be whatever? And so we were talking, I said, listen, it's not a big deal. It's just, a, it's just part of the road and we're just gonna be on the road. You're not even gonna know what happens because it was dark. And so the five hour trip to Vegas, um, we actually got there in three hours and 50 minutes. 
and we never crossed the bridge. We never went over the Hoover Dam and we never, we didn't drive any of the, any of that piece of it, which is about an 45 minutes of it. We, yeah. we left and I saw a sign um, all of a sudden that said, um, uh, oh, I can't think of the name of the town, but it's right outside of Vegas because we saw all the Vegas lights. I'm like, well, wait a minute. We didn't go to the Hoover Dam. We didn't go by the bridge. We, and all of a sudden, all of us came to and we're all together. So I don't know. You tell me, girl, because I'm not an expert in this field. Is this, I don't know. Yeah. Took us for an hour and 15 minutes and then dropped us back off all in the same position. Is that what happened? It can absolutely. Okay. Okay. So, oh, it gets better. I, it's it, this is the whole weekend long. Okay. This was our this was our galactic weekend. So we're all like two of my teammates are absolutely certain that I just took a wrong turn, and I said it's not possible. There is no road. Like right. I've driven this road a million times because I'm from Utah. This is the only road to get there. I promise. There's no other way. So they're in the back on the computer trying to figure out how I, what road I went on. Okay. So we get to Vegas in three hours and 50 minutes. That's not possible. So then we pull into the place and, and the um, television station had put me up at the stratosphere. And so we pulled into the stratosphere and, um, and we get our bellman. And, and so we go up to our room and the bellman comes up in our room and he sits down on my bed now do you ever see a bellman sit down on the bed no it never happens no so he sits down on the bed and starts telling me about his et experiences for an hour wow and my the rest of my team is in the adjacent room still looking at the map trying to figure out how we got there yeah so he's telling us about all that he was from um uh, I think it was from Thailand. So he was talking about Thailand and all the experiences that he had had there. And I'm kind of my man. I don't, it doesn't take much for me to, um, like I'm a talker. I had nothing to say because I was like, okay, we just lost an hour and 10 minutes. Now uh -huh. he's talking to me about this. What, what the hell? Okay. Yeah. So he sits for the whole hour, talks to us and I'm like, okay, well that was interesting. And then he just gets up and walks out. Like he was, not even a person, pretty sure he wasn't, um, but he did bring our bags. So that was okay. great. So then we go, um, because my one of my teammates is scared of heights because of the bridge, well, we never wanted to cross the bridge. So I'm like, well, let's go up to the top of the stratosphere because that would be a good experience for you, right? So we go up there, she crawls around on the floor because she's that scared of heights. And we get done and we're gonna go down the elevator. So we push the button to go down the elevator. Okay, you guys need to be with me on this because this is, this is still <laughs> wild. Okay. Elevators, they go up or they go down. Okay. Mm -hmm. We're at the very top. Like, I don't know, it's 120 stories or whatever it is. So we um, go in line and it's just the five of us. We go in line and the elevator door opens. And so we, um, we look at the guy and um, it's a black man in a, um, a tall black man in a suit. Um, like a black and white, like a tuxedo kind of a suit. Okay. So the doors open. We see the guy. We get, take a step like we're going to go to get in. And the doors close. And then immediately, like as soon as they closed, they opened again. And it was a Hawaiian man in a Hawaiian shirt, a big round Hawaiian man in a Hawaiian shirt. And we all looked at each other and we looked at him and 
none of us could talk because we're like, okay, what the hell? <laughs> we get on the elevator and we can't talk. None of us can talk. We're like, okay, well, it was a black man. Now it's a Hawaiian man. And there was no time for there to be any. Right. It's an, it's one elevator. Okay? Right. So we said to the man, we're actually one of the teammates, the one that never talks said, were you just a black man? <laughs> and he looks at her like, what are you talking about? And he just points up. He just points up. He doesn't use any words. He doesn't speak to us. So we get off. We decided we better go to bed. So we go to bed. We go to bed. None of us say a word the whole night. We're, we can't figure out what we're just whatever. Yeah. So the morning I had to get up at like four in the morning to go be on this news station. And I actually predicted the world series, the winner of the world series, which was the Cardinals that year um, on the thing. And, and the people I said, but you know, it's kind of a crazy weekend. I don't know what the hell is going to happen this weekend, but I know the Cardinals are going to win. That was my statement in the thing. So then we leave and we're going to go to Laughlin to do this event and speak at this event. You guys, seriously. Um, we go to Laughlin and I get in line to do to um, we had a booth. And so people wanted to come and have readings with me. And there's a line of like 50, 75 people. The people in the front start fighting in front of me, like fighting over who's going to get be number one. Okay? OK, so the person who ended up winning, some guy sits down and he talks to he starts talking to me about how the um, galactic world and the galactic federation is taking over Kingman, Arizona, and that there are no actual human beings in the entire city. Um, they're all aliens and the antichrist. Oh, so I'm like, I've never had somebody have a conversation with me and he wanted a reading from me, but he just talked for 20 minutes straight about all of that. Okay. So I didn't say a word the whole time. I just listened. Right. With my mouth open, I think some of the time. And then at the very end, I said, okay, well, I need to go to the woman that you actually pushed down to get here now. <laughs> and, um, and I didn't even have any, I couldn't, I couldn't say a word to him. I just was like, honey, I, I'm going to pray for you. That's what I said, because he was in like, his was really dark. It was really dark stuff. So yeah. anyway, he leaves <clears throat> the whole weekend was like that. It was just one thing after another. Then we're heading home, um, on early, early the next morning. And I saw two or three, I'm sorry, three um, crafts uh, mm -hmm. as we were leaving. Um, and they they formed a triangle. One was smaller, one was bigger, the third one. And two of the people in the vehicle with me saw them. And we watched them just sit mm -hmm. and hover and then zoom and disappear. And then the third or the second one did the same thing and then zoomed and disappeared over like a 15 minute period. Um, all three of them. And I think we had two more that showed up and then they left. And then, and then, um, but wait, there's more. Yeah. <laughs> one, more. one more thing. So then we're in a little town called wiki up, uh, and we needed to get gas, but, um, well, we were going to wiki up to get gas cause we were on almost empty. Wiki up never showed up. So we actually drove on empty for over two hours until we got to Wickenburg and then we got gas in Wickenburg because wiki up, we never got to wiki up. Wow. And we were empty, like empty. It was on E with the light, the whole thing for two hours. 
And then I came home and I got home and I, my husband said, how was your trip? And I said, um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how my trip was. I'm not sure where I was part of the time. I don't know how we got there. And so that's my story. And there's details to all that, but that's the gist of it for a podcast. Um, to give it. Now you can tell me what was going on. Well, I, I mean, I would love to know what happened during the missing time. Like who picked you up? And I, I would too. I've actually got a couple of times I've tried to go into meditation to tap into like, where did we go and what did we do? Because we, it was all of us, all five of us. Yeah. And, um, but I've never been able. And so I figured, well, if I don't have anything, the way I look at it is if it doesn't come to me, then it's either not for me to know, or it's not time. So okay. that's kind of the way that I've looked at it. Um, but there were so many experiences like that throughout the time where, and we had other experiences where time just, it, we just lost mm -hmm. like hours. Um, and by the end of that weekend, we're like, well, who knows? Maybe there's no 24 hours in a day anymore. I, I, we don't know. Well, I mean, I, you know, I do regression therapy. I would love to regress you. I know. Wouldn't that be interesting? Right. Like the different, yeah, the different experiences. I know. So I don't, maybe, maybe in Peru we'll have. Maybe time. in Peru we should do that and check it out because it, it was, yeah. and three of us will be there. So, um, cause it, it was interesting. And, and still to this day, like they, they finally found the maps that showed that there was no way to get there besides the way we were there. Right. Um, but it, it was so unique and it, I didn't feel scared. I felt more like my mind could not wrap around and not again, not because I'm not a believer, but my right. mind could not wrap around it because I didn't have anything tangible to, you know, I didn't see, I mean, at the end we saw the things, but like, I didn't see something like the, the, the elevator dude. Yeah. What, how, how do you, I don't know how you explain that. Well, I mean, and there are beings that are shapeshifters. Well, I'm telling you, this that dude went from this to this. Yeah. Right. <laughs> We're like, uh, didn't you just have a Hawaiian shirt on? You didn't speak. You just went. <laughs> so that's my story, guys. Those of you that are watching, they're like, I've been waiting for this story. For the story. It is recorded. This is the first time in history I have shared it. Record it. Yes, and I have been waiting for this story, so yay. <laughs> well, I'd love for you to just fill me in, girl, because I'm open. No, yes. Well, and okay, so we just alluded to, so in a month from now, you yeah. and I and a big group of people will be headed to Peru. And yay! So we're going to be looking at some ancient alien structures. You know, yeah. I know that for some people that's controversial, but it's not for me. Yeah, no. Stargates. <laughs> Stargates, like Titicaca, has some underwater, like maybe bait. One, right. Well, isn't that supposed to be one of the most active? Yeah. Like Titicaca, I think, is supposed to be one of the most active places for, for I don't know which term is, what term yeah. do we use? It's a hot spot. Hot spot. Okay. Hot spot. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So, I mean, with with all of the energy and the, the people that we're going to have on the trip. Mm -hmm. I'm excited to see what's going to happen. For sure. <laughs> Me too. Me too. And Chris is kind of thinking they're going to come pick her up and take her home. So, yeah. 
there I've had a couple of people come on my retreats and be like, they're they're ready. They're like, take me. <laughs> it hasn't I happened. told her, I said, no, you're coming back with us. I'm sorry, but she's she's hoping. Okay, well, she's needed too much here. That's her. right. I'm like, what would I do? Hello? Right. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> well, so of all the things that you do and that you have done, what would you say has been, I guess, your most profound experience that's really given you impetus to keep moving forward in the work that you do? Like, and I know that's might be a hard question because there might be so many. Well, <clears throat> I think the one that um, is probably the most profound is also the first, the first um, real experience where it was when my guide said, um, what right do you have to not do this work? And the, the situation was in, in, a, in a real general compact sense was uh, I was doing readings. Uh, this was the very first time I ever did readings out in public. Um, and I was doing it at the state fair in the Arizona state fair. And um, I had some wild, crazy idea to do readings at the state fair for 21 days straight for 12 hours a day. Wow. Yeah. Never done that again. So learn from me. Don't do that. Yeah. Um, but I had a man that came up and he was a, um, he was a rough looking guy. Um, you could tell he'd had a hard road, hard life. And he sat down and when I saw him, I hurried and put my book up. I mean, I'm totally telling you guys how it really was. So I was totally in my ego. I was totally judging, but I was like, I do not want to do his reading. And, um, and so I put my book up and I was hoping he didn't see me. And of course he did see me because that was the whole point. Right. And he sat down and he says, all right, well, what do you do? And I said, well, I do readings. And he goes, okay, well, read me then. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to read him. And um, so I started the reading. <clears throat> I asked my angels to come in and take my ego out of it. Right. And I started the reading. And, uh, and so we were just doing, I didn't do mediumship at that point. Uh, I didn't want to. And the reason I didn't want to is because it was always emotional. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it, anytime you're doing mediumship, it's because somebody died. And if yeah. somebody died, there's probably sadness around it. And I didn't want to experience it. I didn't want to feel that all the time. And so um, we started the reading. And <clears throat> in the meantime, there's a little boy, four years old, um, bouncing up and down next to him. And I'm like, okay, honey, I'm, I'm not talking to you. <laughs> this, is, this is what I'm saying. I'm doing the reading for him, but I'm also at the same time in my mind, telepathically talking to this little boy saying, honey, I don't, I don't do this. Like, I'm not, I, I'm sorry, but especially a little boy, like I, I'm not, I'm not, I don't know what your connection is yet. I don't want to, I'm trying to just focus over here. And little boy just kept saying, just kept going and going and going, trying to get my attention. Like, hello, hello, that kind of thing. And then finally he just blurted out, just tell my dad it's not his fault. And I'm like, oh, so I'm like, all right, well, so I, so I said, you know, I have a little boy and, and he's telling me to tell you that it's not your fault. And the guy's face completely changed and he started just bawling and then I started bawling. And then <clears throat> I saw what had happened to this little boy and um, he, his mother, this is a case that was very well known in Arizona. His mother had um, decided that he reminded her too much of his father mm -hmm. and told him he was going to go and see Santa Claus, took him out in the desert and had him murdered. And the dad who was, who I was reading, um, was, had been in and out of jail, um, and had really been struggling, was in jail when his son died 
and um, felt like it was his fault that if he would have been there and mm -hmm. the son came through to say to him, it wasn't your fault and there's nothing that you could have done. And here I am and I'm okay. And all the good stuff as well. Yeah. Um, but it, that was such a, um, because I saw and felt all of the experiences that he experienced when it was happening. Um, it was such a traumatic experience for me. Um, I was sick for two weeks, like throwing up for two weeks. I, I couldn't digest mm -hmm. the, the the experience the emotion the information but afterwards after after i had done this reading the dad when he got up looked like a different person he complete like a hundred pounds off of him his face like all of a sudden all those lines felt filled they, he looked completely different he had this light in him and i'm not saying that his life was completely changed but there was a healing that couldn't have occurred any other way. And that's when I was leaving because I just actually left. I, I was so sick afterwards. And that's when my spirit said to me, what right do you have to not, you, you say you're not going to do this. What right do you have not to do this when you can see a change? And that has impacted my entire life's work and my, um, my service to humanity is, you know, just because I am uncomfortable for a little bit because of the sadness. I had to learn tools to manage that better. That was my job. Um, if this is a gift that others can benefit from, how could you hold back? And I remember that in moments when, you know, things are hard. And, um, and I think for me, that little boy, his name was Christopher. Um, although it felt at that time, like, dude, get away. Um, I think he was one of my guides at that, mm -hmm. not, not for a, a long period of time, but yeah. just for long enough to help me to get on the right page and, and show up in the person that I really am. Yeah. Right? And to get over my, my fears of, oh, this is always going to be sad and hard and it is sad and hard and it's great and beautiful. Beautiful. Well, and actually there's a question coming in about when you're doing a reading, do you hear voices or just see pictures and have a knowing or how are your clairs working when you're doing mediumship and psychic work? Um, they all they all happen differently based on the person I'm working with. Like for him, I could see him, I could hear him, I could feel all of the emotion, um, I could smell the the scent of the desert, like uh, all of it. Um, but at different times, it shows up differently. So once in a while, I mean, I'm a feeler by nature. That's my na my natural gift is feeling. Um, but um, there are times when the auditory comes in. There's times when the just the knowing comes in. Uh, there's times when all of them are active at the same time. So it's never, it's never the same ever for me. And it doesn't mean that's how most people are, but I'm, that's how it works for me. Well, so in all the different, I guess, clients and experiences you've had with mediumship, I know there's probably a common thread of what the people on the other side are sharing. Mm -hmm. So we just have a couple minutes left. I would love for you to share what that greater message and understanding is. You know, I, I think it's really simple, Lisa. The greater question, the greater um, message from them is number one, I'm okay. Because that's always what people want to know. Are, are they okay? They're okay. Um, they're actually better than okay, but I'm okay. Um, and the other thing is to um, live like you live. Like they want us that, you know, so many people start to die when somebody else dies. You know, they right. give up their life. They give up 
their joys. They give up their happiness because of their loss and because of their sadness, their regret, their shame, their guilt, their, their, their grief. Um, but they don't want us to grieve the way we've trained, we've been trained to grieve. Like a lot of, you know, I mean, I think there's lots of cultures where, you know, you have to grieve for a certain amount of time and there isn't a right amount of time, right? They don't want us to just pass over our lives in grief. What they want us to do is they want us to live. So they always say, don't focus on the one day that I died. Focus on the thousands of days that I lived and live. If, if you need to live for something, live for me. Don't die for me. Beautiful. Well, and over the last couple or well month, I've been dealing with my mother potentially transitioning and helping to energetically release her. Yeah. And, you know, I know some people hold on so tightly mm-hmm. to their loved ones and don't want them to pass. But if they're, you know, if they're in a really painful situation, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes it's easier to let go. But well, I mean, here's the thing. We have the ability to do that for our animals. And I know that's a very controversial subject, um, but we have the ability to help our animals release themselves from um, very serious situations and pain. And we don't do the same thing for our humans in a, in, in a respectful and loving um, and, 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 and graceful way. And I think there are ways that we could do that as a society we could get better at at that because there are people that just literally um, um, don't have the ability to um, make those choices for themselves and have to suffer for far longer than what we would ever let one of our pets suffer for. Yeah. And that's a statement that I know a lot of people don't like, but it absolutely is true for me. Yeah. And I completely agree with you on that, but also, coming from the understanding that we are energy and we just simply change form. This is just one of many costumes. Right. We're just going into the other room and changing our outfit. Yep. Which we like to do. (laughs) We do. (laughs) Well, so Sunny, I want to thank you so much for being on and for sharing your story, especially like some people are like, that's, they've been waiting for Uh you. I know I'm going to have to share this with everybody and let them know if you've been wanting to hear the yeah. story. Here you go. Well, and maybe um, after Peru, we'll have you back on and we'll get to talk about some. There cool you go. <laughs> yeah, because we're going to I know we've got some stuff coming and I'm really excited for my husband to get into it because okay. he's not into it. So it's going to be very okay. fun to bring him right along. OK, well, that'll be yes. I, mm, Brett. Yeah. Beam <laughs> him up. Let's beam him up. <laughs> okay. One, well, thank you. And for everyone watching, thank you and listening. And I will see you next time on Connection to the Cosmos. Thank you. Oh, Thanks, oh. sister.